0: And thank you worship team for that and good morning everybody my name is Nick Schatz I'm one of the pastors here uh, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 if you have a bible with you you can go ahead and open it up there uh, if not we're only looking at three verses it's two parables of Jesus but they're they're very short and very similar so it's just three verses we'll put them on the screen but turn there if you would like to thanks Cameron Uh, And before we get started, I just want to pray for some folks going on a missions trip uh, in just a couple days here. Actually, just tomorrow, going to get set up. uh, We have some teenagers heading out to Downey Elementary, which is located in Harrisburg. And they're going to be running a vacation Bible school for uh, some of the kids that go to this school. Uh, I see some youth in the room. Any of you heading on this trip by chance? Raise your hand. Okay, so a few people raising their hands. Uh, so it's, it's pretty intense what I hear you guys are going to be doing. They're going out tomorrow to get set up and they're going to actually stay in Harrisburg even though it's fairly close by uh, and just really engulf themselves in the community there. So just, uh, you can pray on your own while I'm praying or listen to me pray, but let's, let's pray for them and think about them as you go about this week. Father, I want to pray for our youth and the, then the adult leaders also that are heading down to Harrisburg uh, tomorrow to get set up and then running this this program, this Bible program for the kids and the families at the Elementary. I want to pray for uh, the kids that attend, that they would hear and understand the gospel. I want to pray that, uh, that they would make memories that last a lifetime, good memories of just being with believers and uh, the kind of impact that that makes. Uh, I want to pray uh, for decisions to to be made on their part. I pray for our youth as well, that they would enjoy this experience, that you would give them the strength and the stamina they need to day after day for, for four days straight and then another day of setting up to continue to do this program. And I pray for the whole community. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people in this area uh, of of Harrisburg, and this is just one week that we're spending here, but I pray this one little blip of time would make a positive impact on the community as the church tries to do something for the local people of the area. So we pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, if you think about that trip, or if you have one of those bookmarks that was passed out a couple weeks ago, just whisper a prayer for our teenagers that are going to be doing this missions trip. Well, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. I'll read those verses in just a second. But the topic of today is commitment issues. We're going to be talking about commitment issues. Uh, We live in a society in which it is easy to have commitment issues. Streaming services have a lot of trouble keeping subscribers, whether it's Netflix or some kind of music streaming platform. It's hard to keep our subscribers there and to keep that loyalty. Employers, maybe this is you in the room, in fact. Employers have trouble keeping good employees working for their company. They're losing them to other opportunities. Companies have trouble keeping clients. Uh, I am a proud millennial, so if you ask me to RSVP for something, it's probably not going to happen. I could be busy for that one hour in two months, right? Uh, I spoke with a teacher that, uh, that's a friend of mine just this last week, and I asked her this question. I said, hey, do you ever, do you ever have issues with... Uh, commitment issues with people that you work with as a teacher and she said oh my word yes (laughs) and and I found out that every teacher on the face of this planet has occasional lament sessions with all the other teachers oh man if only these kids would do their homework they could get their scholarships they could better their lives if only these parents would read my emails if only these parents would care about their kids education I mean if you're a teacher you've experienced this commitment issues that bubble up with some families and with some kids uh, I also spoke with a friend of mine who happens to be a therapist. And I asked him, hey, I said, hey, do you ever have issues with, uh, do you ever experience commitment issues with clients of yours? And he said, oh man, Nick, let me tell you. Most of the people that come see me, if they just went on to chat gtp and typed in their problem, they would get a, 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 a plan that would probably help them. But they just won't commit to it. They come to me, I tell them the same thing week after week. And if they would just commit, things would be a lot better with them. Commitment issues run high. I don't care what you do. If you're a coach, you wrestle with commitment issues of the, the people in your program. If you're a financial advisor, man, if you would just save 10% of your paycheck, this would pay off in retirement, right? If, if you would just do this, uh, if you're a business owner with employees, no matter what you do, if you're a dentist, listen, we're not going to floss. It's not going to happen. You can remind us about how we're going to live longer and be happier. It's not going to happen, right? No matter what you do professionally, you, you, you interact with people. That have commitment issues. Okay? People that are toe dippers. They, they they want to dip their feet in the water, but they just they would just commit and jump all the way in. Shoulder shruggers, right? Ah, I might make it. I don't know. Yeah, I might do that. I guess I agree with you. What like what is this? I mean, just people with that are non-committal, no matter what you do, you encounter these people.
1: And if we're honest,
0: all of us are also non-committal people at different times. I mean, how how hard of a time have you had committing to that diet? or committing to that, uh, to go into bed on time. If I could just get to bed at, at 10.30, man, I, my life would be a lot easier, but you just can't do it and you can't pay off that debt. I mean, all of us all of us have commitment issues of our own. All of us interact with people that have commitment issues. It's, it's just a big problem. Believe it or not, commitment issues also infuses into religion as well. Here's a few stats that I found in the last couple of weeks here. So the Navigators did this major study on discipleship back in 2015, so a few years ago, with Barna. And they interviewed many church leaders, and here's what they concluded, that a lack of commitment, those are the exact words they used, a lack of commitment is the biggest obstacle Christians face when it comes to their own discipleship. Ed Stetzer, he's a missiologist and the dean of Wheaton College, he says that the largest category of Christians are what he calls nominal Christians, Christian in name only. They, they identify, self-identify as Christian, but their religion is not a central part of their life. That's what Ed Stetzer has to say. According to Gallup polls, nearly 70% of Americans identify as Christian, but only 20% of them attend church on a weekly basis. Barna surveyed many Christian families, thousands of Christian families, and they found that 42% of practicing Christian families, only 42% of them, talk about faith together, read the Bible together, or pray together with any regularity. So almost half of all practicing Christian families have habits in their church, or, or in their household like this. And nowadays, you can talk to any pastor, and they will say that the average church attender attends maybe once per month. In fact, I go to these seminars and, you know, pastors go to conferences and things like that. And it's, it's typical to hear us talk about uh, regular attenders and irregular attenders. And that second, it drives me nuts. What is an irregular tender? What, is, what does that even mean? <laughs> Commitment issues are all over the place, no matter what your work is. And it even happens within religion. Well, believe it or not, Jesus also encountered people with commitment issues. He encountered non committal people. He had this world altering message that he called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We'll talk about what that means. He had this life altering message that he continually taught about, and there were people that responded in one of three ways. There were three different ways that people responded to his message of the kingdom. First, some became followers, second, others were haters. And then third, there were some who remained noncommittal. And you see these kinds of people crop up all through the gospel stories as Jesus teaches, as he travels, as he tries to recruit people for, uh, for his kingdom. Okay? There are several people who want to follow Jesus. They recognize him as the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the way, the truth, and the life. And so they devote their entire life to him. They become disciples. They become apostles. There are some who choose to follow There are others who hear his message of the kingdom, and they become haters, whether they're Pharisees, scribes, politicians. Herod thought that Jesus was trying to form a coup and wanted to take him out. There were Jewish teachers that thought that Jesus was leading people astray, and they also tried to take him out, though in a a quieter way. There were fortune tellers that were scared that he was taking away from their business by preaching his truth, and so they also wanted him gone. Like the great relationship expert of our day, Taylor Swift has said, sometimes haters gonna hate, hate, hate. So there's some people who wanted to follow Jesus, others who hated Jesus because of his message. I like how Tim Keller puts it. He passed away recently, the late Tim Keller. Jesus cannot simply be liked. You either kill him or you crown him in your life. These are the two. If you understand his mission and message, those are the two options. You either love him and follow him with everything or you can't stand him. You want nothing to do with it. I like the quote, so thank you, Tim. However, I would add a third category those who want to dip their toes in, the toe dippers, the shoulder shruggers, the non-committals. It's all the people that would flock to hear him teach, but they had no interest in applying his teachings. It's all the people who came to see him perform miracles, but then they just went back to the farm the next day. <laughs> and that was, yeah, I heard that guy, and that was the end of it. It's all the people in the crowds who wanted healing or wanted to see a healing happen, but they weren't interested in a life change happening within them. And so here's the difference between those three kinds of people, the followers, the haters, and the noncommittals. Here's the difference. Those who chose and have chosen to follow Jesus, they get his mission. They understand his mission of the kingdom of heaven. Those who choose to hate Jesus and they want nothing to do with him, they understand his mission and his message. People that are non-committal, people that are nominal with their faith, people, people who are just toe-dippers, shoulder-shruggers, just noncommittal, they don't get it. Because if you understood Jesus' mission... And message. You'd either love it or you'd want nothing to do with it. But if you don't understand it, yeah, love other people, that sounds good. I mean, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, you you can be, if you don't understand it, yeah, it sounds good. But if you get it, you either follow or you want nothing to do with it. Now, there are several ways that Jesus responded to non-committal people in his days. One of my favorite is with these two quick little short stories. We call them parables. They're very short. We're going to read them together. And this is how he illustrates this lack of commitment that he found in some of his hears, Matthew 13 verses 44 to 46. Jesus says, "The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field." that's the parable of the treasure. The parable of the pearls comes right next and it 's almost identical. Again, he says, "The kingdom of heaven." Is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Here's the message. Here's the essence of these two parables. If you understand his mission, if you understand the value of the, the message that he is giving about if you understand the kingdom of heaven, it's worth giving everything away to follow that or you want nothing to do with it. It's worth abandoning everything. And here's something that I know about you. None of you in this room want to be a toe dipper, a shoulder shrugger. None of you you in here want to be a nominal Christian. What a massive waste of your time to sit here. Like, none of you want to be a nominal Christian. None of you do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Nominal Christians aren't lazy. They aren't selfish. They just haven't quite got it. They They don't understand the value of this pearl thing that they're looking at. And so here's what I want all of us to hear. Here's here's the lesson for today. Okay, if you forget everything else, you want to write this down. This this is the one thing I want you to remember today. The the process of following Jesus is it's a never ending loop of applying and understanding these two parables. Following Jesus is a lifetime process of walking through a field, rolling your ankle in the field, and turning around, and you find, oh, this is worth all the all the baggage, all the priorities, and this is worth giving all that stuff away for this. Following Jesus is, is a lifelong process of walking through the marketplace and something catches your eye and you go and look at it closely, you look at the price tag and say, oh, i got to sell everything I own for this. this the following Jesus is a, is a never-ending loop of applying and understanding the kingdom of heaven and slowly but surely giving way everything for this. So what is the kingdom of heaven? We're going to talk about that. Before we do, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to whisper a prayer. You can close your eyes, you can open them, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel more comfortable with. And I want, you to, I want you to whisper in your own words this prayer to yourself. Say something like this. Father, would you show me some area of my life that I need to abandon all so that I can live the kingdom of heaven? Pray something similar to that. Pray, Father, what, what, what sacrifice do you want me to make today? for your kingdom what investment do you want me to make today for your kingdom just father what is one area of my life where the the Holy Spirit can just kind of poke me and say that right there right there right there just whisper some kind of prayer like that before we move on did you pray that prayer okay you can keep praying if you want to I won't assume that you're sleeping so let's go so let's talk about these parables. What is the kingdom of heaven? Twice he says the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of, what is the kingdom of heaven? I mean, what are we playing, Settlers of Catan? Is this Lord of the Rings? Like, what are we talking about? What is, what is the kingdom? We're a democracy. We don't think about kings and kingships and stuff like that unless you follow all the Meghan and Harry stuff, right? So what what, what is the kingdom of heaven? 13 times, in this chapter alone of Matthew, I, I thought about reading the whole thing, but it's pretty lengthy, 12 times the kingdom comes up. Verse 11, knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, verse 19. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, verse 33. Good seed stands for the people of the kingdom, verse 38. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything, verse 41. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, verse 43. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. The kingdom of heaven is like a net. A disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house. Thirteen times just in this chapter. If you were to zoom out and look at all of Matthew's letter, the kingdom comes up 55 times. There's 28 chapters in Matthew, 25 of them mention this kingdom. And that's just Matthew. If you were to look at all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four books, the kingdom comes up 126 times. It's called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the father, the kingdom of Jesus, or just the kingdom. What are we talking about, the kingdom? Writers even talk about the kingdom differently. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom comes. The kingdom draws near. The kingdom is entered. The kingdom is proclaimed. The kingdom is desired. It's anticipated. The kingdom is a gift, a possession, a treasure, an inheritance. There are keys to the kingdom. People suffer for the kingdom. People sacrifice for the kingdom. What is the kingdom? He always uses stories and speaks in vague terms, but what is the kingdom? Do you know what it is? I don't know. I was hoping you did. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so we are going to look at this, and, and, the, and the best way I've, I've heard anyone ever describe it is with this visual that comes from Tim Mackey and the Bible Project. So this, this is just a simple picture that kind of explains it. Uh, obviously, in Scripture, there's kind of two realms that are talked about quite a bit. There's heaven and there's earth. Heaven is, 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 is good, it's, it's safe, it's, it's righteous, right? And earth is, is not always good. It can be evil, it can be, it can be a dangerous place, it can be a murky place. It's, this is earth where we live, and there's heaven, which we hope to go to one day. And in the middle, you see a little purple. Can we go to the next screen, Christian? And so, what is right here in the middle, this is known as the kingdom of heaven. And this is what Jesus continually preached and practiced. The kingdom of heaven is when heaven and earth intersect. It's when someone like Jesus lives out the values of heaven here on earth. Because the values of heaven don't always work here on earth. And so it's so shocking when we see it, right? But it's when the things that we would do in heaven, the way that we would act in heaven, the attitudes we would have in heaven, the the values of heaven become the values of earth. And the idea is that Jesus lived out. It was as if he was a citizen of heaven while he was living on planet Earth. He lived that out in the purple, and he hopes to establish these little communities that we call local churches, in which the values of heaven are lived out on planet Earth. Sometimes we call it the upside down kingdom, because the values of heaven are oftentimes in direct opposition to the ways of Earth. Jesus is not lifted up to a throne, but to a cross. Jesus doesn't gain authority with his power, but with his humility. That doesn't make any sense. We preach Christ crucified, which is the biggest oxymoron of all history, right? The the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title, actually. That means Messiah. It's It's an authoritative title. So Christ crucified. That makes no sense here on earth. The last will be first. The greatest on earth is the least in the kingdom of heaven. Everything is upside down. It's not supposed to work. There's no more Roman Empire. There's no more Caesar. But there is a church. How did that happen? The cross was meant to be a symbol of violence and intimidation and and, and authority. But now we wear crosses around our neck. We put crosses on our walls. We have cross tattoos on our shoulders. The cross has become a symbol of peace and and a symbol of, of love. Even though it was meant to be a symbol of intimidation and violence. How did that happen? Right? There are poor and humble and tortured people never win but Jesus died naked and penniless, and he won. This doesn't make, this doesn't work. It's because he was living, the value set of heaven was being lived out right here. He was living life in the purple, and he calls us to live as though we're citizens of heaven, but we remain here on earth. That is the kingdom of heaven, and it's kind of hard to wrap our heads around because it's now, but not yet, (laughs) right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. The kingdom of heaven has begun, but it's doesn't seem to have started yet. I mean, it's, it's the upside down world where the values of heaven are lived here on earth. Somebody once asked in an interview with Dallas Willard. He's a prolific writer and a teacher. He's, he well, was, he's passed away. And someone once asked him, he, he, said, he said, Dallas, what is the kingdom of heaven? Does it just mean going to heaven when I die? And Dallas said, no, no, no. The kingdom of heaven is going to heaven before you die. It's living here on earth, but living as though you're a part of some other, some other life, some other kingdom, some other realm. And according to these parables about the kingdom of heaven, what, what Jesus is trying to communicate is that you can't live in the kingdom of heaven and just dip your toes in it. It doesn't work that way. You can't like, I'm going to be kind of humble. Like you, you, can't, you can't just kind of live as if you're a citizen of heaven. You can't just kind of do this. You can't just shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, I'll do that part of it. No, you have to be all in. Otherwise, the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's not purple. It doesn't work that way. You have to be all in. If the traveler doesn't sell everything, he can't buy the field. If the merchant doesn't sell everything, he can't afford the portal. You can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to these things. And listen, if I had time, I would do this. I could tell you story after story of people who have just lived out these parables and and given, abandoned everything for the sake of, of the kingdom of heaven and living out the kingdom of heaven. I could tell you about classmates that I had back when I was in Dallas, that uh, they they finished they finished school and they could have had this nice middle class job, you know, doing whatever kind of ministry in the states, but they moved to some of the least desirable places in the world to do ministry. Crazy stuff. I could tell you about wealthy business people who they left, they sold their house, they left their business, and they went to school to become a pastor, and they weren't going to make a fraction of what they were making before, and they just, they just did it without even thought. They moved their family out, went to school, and then wanted to become pastors. I could tell you story after story of happy middle-class families. They had the house and the backyard and the dog. I mean, they, they, they had everything that most people in the world would dream of, and they left it all to do what they felt called to do for the kingdom. And most people probably look at those decisions and think, you're crazy, but I know why they did it. You know why they did it. You know why they did it. They stubbed their toe on something, and they turned around, and they were ready to, what farmer doesn't level their field? I can't. And they realized what they stepped on. Oh, all that stuff back there. <laughs> I, I'm going to sell all because cause this is worth my life, right? They were, they were window shopping through the store, and they saw it. And they looked at the price tag and said, you know what? It's worth it going to have to sell everything, but it's worth it. I know why they did it, and you know why they did it. It's because they, underst- they understood the value of what they just stubbed their toe on. They understood the value. But we're not here to talk about super Christians. We're not here to talk about my friends that I just mentioned. We're here to talk about you. What are you going to do with this parable? My prayer that I prayed this morning was that you would stub your toe so bad and turn around and realize what you just tripped on. What are, what are you going to do with this parable? I hope that you roll your ankle so bad over this parable and you turn around and look at what's in the hole in the field. Here's what I want you to do. And as I'm, as I'm speaking, as I continue to, to talk through this passage, you prayed this prayer earlier, but I want you to think, <clears throat> okay, Father, what, what, is, what is one area of my life that you want me to go back and just, I, 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 thought I, had, I thought I had cleaned my house out, but I still have all this baggage and these priorities. What's, what's just one area of your life where you just got to abandon, up, just sell all that stuff and pursue the kingdom? What's one area of your life? Maybe it's your devotional habits. If you don't have a daily habit of reading your Bible and praying, then you, you don't have to think up an application. There's your application. I'll give it to you, right? It, you need to abandon your pillow and set a time every morning, 15, 20 minutes, where you read the word and you pray. That's your application. Maybe it's your Sundays. Maybe you have a a habit of, of having excuses and you need to make the decision to abandon those excuses and make the gathered church a priority for you every single Sunday. I mean, Jesus like died for the church. It was pretty important. Maybe it's your wallet. Maybe it's your sex life. Maybe it's isolation in your life and you need to surround yourself and develop Christian friendships. Maybe it's your own maturity. You need a plan for your spiritual growth. I don't know what your application is. I know what mine is. I wrote it down earlier. I'm going to have you write something down in a second, all right? I wrote it down earlier. So what are you going to do with this parable? What are you stubbing your toe on? Let me read this again. Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. The whole point of the passage here, once you understand the kingdom, it's, it's worth abandoning everything, every possession, every pursuit, every plan of your, it's, it's worth abandoning all that to pursue following Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. I want, to show you, I want to show you this news article I found of someone who literally lived out this parable. Okay, this is from the LA Times a few years back. It's about a man named Roy Wettstein that literally lived out this parable. So Roy was a rock collector who lived in Texas and he uh, packed up his two sons in his car and went out to Arizona to visit his dad. His dad wasn't doing well. And so he went out to Arizona to visit his dad. While he was there with his two sons, He heard about a rock and gemstone show that was happening in Tucson. I didn't know they had such a thing. Apparently in Tucson, they do these kind of things. And so he went to this, he decided to take an afternoon. He went to this rock and gemstone show. That's what they called it. And before he headed out, his two sons said, hey, dad, if you find a cool rock, can you buy it for me? He dug in their pockets. Each son gave him five bucks. So Roy took five bucks from each son, stuffed them in his pocket, and he went off to this rock and gemstone show. As he was walking around the various booths, there's one that really caught his eye and he went over and looked at it. It was a potato-sized rock sitting inside of a Tupperware container. Now, if you weren't around in the 90s, you don't know what a Tupperware is. It's it's basically a a plastic dish, okay? There was a rock sitting in a plastic dish and instantly he knew, this rock does not belong in a plastic dish. Oh my word. And so he goes up to the guy and there's a sign on the table. It says, any rock on this table, $15. Oh, he's only got 10. So he, he picks it up. And he tells the guy behind the counter, you want 10 bucks, you want 15 bucks for this? And the guy says, ah, you can have it for 10. It's not as pretty as the other ones. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out the 10 bucks from his kids and hands it over. And he makes a beeline out the door. Here's what he bought. He bought the world's largest known star sapphire. Here's a picture of it. Over 1,500 carats and worth over 2 million dollars. The kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had to buy it. Because you realize nobody nobody walks through a merchant store and finds something that's worth more money than you're ever going to make, your kids are ever going to make, or your grandkids are ever going to make combined and goes, meh. Like nobody who understands what they're looking at is nominal about it. Nobody walking through a field rolls their ankle, looks over and goes, oh, what's the, and, and just walks away. If you think it's just a box, you'll walk away and you'll be noncommittal. But if you understand what's in the box, nobody in their right mind goes, meh, that's like a lot of money. Okay. And then, but nobody does that. If you understand what you're looking at, it's worth selling everything you've got to obtain it. This is probably not going to happen to you, by the way. <laughs> just, this is probably not going to happen to you. But here's what will happen to you. I'm hoping that you stub your big toe really bad today over this parable, over these two parables. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you leave this room? What's your application? Here's what I want you to do, and I, and, I'm gonna, and I want you to really do this, okay? People did it in the first service, so you can do it too. I did it this morning. I want you to get out a piece of paper, bulletin, a scrap piece of paper. I want you to get out your phone, pull up your email, pull up your notes app, uh, Evernote, One OneNote, your reminder app, whatever it is, go ahead and go ahead and go ahead and bust out your phone, your tablets, a piece of paper if you if you happen to have a pen or piece of paper on you. Go ahead and bust this out. And here's what I want you to do. You prayed this prayer earlier. I warned you this was coming. Just think and and pray. And ask what what is your application? What's what's one area of your life that you believe the Holy Spirit's kind of kind of poking you, kinda nudging you and saying, hey, you need, to, you need to give up this so you can have the kingdom of heaven. You need to give up this and pursue the kingdom. What's, what's one area, just one area of your life that God's calling you to do this? It is, I believe, unreasonable for me to think that somebody in here is going to go home and literally sell all of your possessions and honor God with the money in some way. Now, now maybe you should do that. Maybe somebody is going to do that, but I, I don't think I'm that good of a speaker that you're going to go home and like sell everything. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I, have, I have low expectations that any of you are going to go home and draft up a letter of resignation and quit your job and go into full-time Christian service. Maybe you should do that. Maybe somebody in here will do that. I have low expectations. I'm not that good of a speaker. But here's what I think we can all do. Just write down one area of your life where you've got to abandon that stuff because you found a calling to the kingdom. What's one thing? Go ahead and write that down. Go ahead and type that up. Go ahead and email yourself. Maybe it's a sin that you need to confess and forsake. It might be a spiritual habit that you need to start. It might be a sacrifice that you need to make. It might be a step of faith that you've been hesitant to take, but you need to go ahead and take that step. Write it down. It might be an idol that you need to burn, it might be a practice that you need to start, it might be a donation that you need to make. It might be a relationship that you need to make right. It might be someone that you need to share the gospel with. It might be an attitude that you need to confess and fix. What what are you stubbing your toe on? What's the Holy Spirit telling you right now? The majority of people in the United States identify as Christian, but statistics clearly show that only a fraction of them have made Jesus the center focus of their life. And you don't don't want to be that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So what's one area of your life that God's calling you to to sell all, metaphorically speaking, figuratively speaking, to pursue the kingdom? Go ahead and write that down. Send that reminder. Send that email to yourself. And hey, let me tell you, I I want to take three more minutes with you, okay? There may be somebody in the room here today, and you're not a Christian, Okay? you uh, follow a different religion, perhaps you identify as, as atheist or agnostic, or, or maybe maybe you've been exploring Christianity. If, if you had to pick a religion that most identifies where you are, you, you would pick that, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. Like, maybe I'm a Christian, I'm not sure. Maybe you're not sure, or maybe, maybe uh, you openly follow another religion, and I'm just, I'm just so glad that you were here. I mean, Jesus would be so, oh wow, this person, they follow a different religion, they came to hear Christianity. That's just really cool that you would do that. Uh, I, the one thing I want you to hear if you're not a Christian or you're not sure, is the difference between these two parables okay they're almost identical in the storyline but here's the difference uh, in, in one of the parables the person walking through the field he stumbles across the treasure he's not looking for anything he stubs his toe he rolls his ankle and then he discovers oh this, there's something here okay maybe you're like him maybe maybe you're like the the the, the traveler in the field and, and you've heard something that has piqued your interest you want to learn a little more but you weren't expecting to hear this you're just in town for a couple of days you're with family they invited you to church okay whatever i'll go you know maybe maybe that's you Maybe you're like the merchant, though. Here's the difference in the tw- two stories. The merchant was looking. He was seeking for something. He was looking for something. He was a seeker. He was searching for meaning or <laughs> searching for something. And when he found it, he knew it. This is what I've been looking for. Maybe you're like the merchant. Maybe you're like the traveler. But, but you're not a Christian, and you're here listening, and you're intrigued. Here's what, here's what I want to offer you. Uh, I have a, a book here. I've got a stack of these books in my office, uh, it's called The Doubter's Guide to Jesus, The Introduction to the Man from Nazareth for Believers and Skeptics. And so in this book, he walks through uh, different historical people that have talked about Jesus, people that met Jesus and heard about Jesus in the first century. That, they're not in the Bible. These are like historians and politicians and people like that, that that heard about Jesus, that interacted with Jesus, and we have historical records of him and what they thought about him. And it's just a really cool book. You know, what did they think about his miracles and stuff? If you'd like to explore that, I'll give this to you for free. I, I bought a stack of them. I don't know what I paid for them, so you couldn't pay me back even if you wanted to. I bought a stack of them for the purpose of giving away, so if you want one, like, every now and then someone says, hey, you want a book for free? And I feel like I should pay them, but don't pay me because I don't even know what they cost, and I bought them for the purpose of giving away. So, uh, please don't feel bad. In the first service, someone came up and grabbed one. This, I had to grab another one from my office. I got a couple more, so don't feel bad. Uh, but I'd love to love to give you a copy of that if you're If you're just kind of thinking about things and exploring things and open to learning more about Jesus from people that aren't in this book, uh, I'd be glad to give you a copy of that. And I got more in my office. uh, So I'd be happy to give you a copy of that for free. Okay? Well, thank you for your kind attention. Would you please stand with me? I'd like us to read this text out loud together as we head our separate ways. Let's read this text out loud together. The kingdom of heaven Thank you for reading that with me. And thank you for your attention. Uh, if you'd like to talk to somebody, pray, to, pray with somebody, it could be about the message or about something completely different if you just want to pray with somebody. Uh, members of our prayer team are going to be at the front, so you can go ahead up if you're on the prayer team. And I'm actually going to direct you kind of over to the side here so there's less hus- hustle and bustle. So if you're on the prayer team, go ahead and come forward and come over here and we would welcome you to come and pray with someone or talk with someone. As you leave, I just want to remind you that you are not being dismissed. You are being sent. You are sent to take Jesus' teaching about the kingdom seriously. You are sent to be like the merchant and search for ways to live out kingdom values. You are not dismissed, but you are sent to follow the lifelong process of stubbing your toe and rolling your ankles and realizing, oh, there's some other baggage and priority I need to get rid of to pursue this kingdom. Hershey, free you are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you.